This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Praise God, man. What a, it's just been an awesome, awesome church day all day long. You know, the presence of the Lord has been here and that's, uh, well, that's, 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 that's why I come, man. I come to fellowship and be with you guys, but I come to get into the presence of God together. And what a, what a, what a time, uh, for the body of Christ, you know, as I encouraged this morning and we'll get into here in a minute, but what a time for us to not be like everybody else. You know, uh, the New Testament tells us that we are a holy people. In fact, it says we're a royal priesthood. Peter put it that way. And I've taught you and you know that holy means set apart. We're holy. We're not like everybody else. We don't have to be behaving and acting like and and doing all the things everybody else does. We're different. In fact, Peter said we're a peculiar people. We're weird. You notice that? And that's fine, man. I, if, if, if normal is being like what the rest of this world is being like right now, I'm fine with being peculiar and being weird. I'm, I'll take that. If the peace of God guarding my heart and mind makes me weird, I'm a weirdo. I'm, you know, I'm the captain of the weirdos. I'll take it. But praise God, uh, the, I didn't even put a title. You know what? I didn't even give the girls my PowerPoint. So you're just going to have to follow along real good. I made a nice PowerPoint. I forgot to give it to them. But the title tonight is this, 2 Timothy 1.7. That's the, that's the straight up title. And, uh, and so girls, we're going to look at that first of all in the King James, 2 Timothy 1.7. But, you know, it's, this is one of the first Bible verses that I learned, 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's one of the first Bible verses that I've taught to my children, and I know many, many children here at this church know, 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, this is a multifaceted verse, and I love verses that have so many different uh, points and truths all in one verse, but this verse doesn't just have one good thing to say, it has a bunch of really good things to say. Now, I learned this, again, as I said, as a very young child, uh, you know, parents, that's one of the best gifts we can give our kids is to teach them the Word of God, right? Because the toy we buy them now, is, you know, it's going to be so out of style next year at this time, or they're going to look back on pictures of this period and make fun of them later on. But the Word of God that we give them now, that's never going out of style, man. That's that's never going to change. That That's something that stays with us forever. King David said that he hid God's Word in his heart. And, you know, we have God's Word hidden right here in our hearts. But Second Timothy 1.7 in the King James, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Man. And so as we, I'm going to just break this down into two parts tonight. Uh, there's, I mean, we could look at the power part, the love part, the sound mind part. There's so much we could break this into. But one thing that I think is especially important for us to study. We're going to look at the very first part of this, the spirit of fear. There is such a thing as a spirit of fear. And I believe that, you know, 
We see this manifested at different points sometimes in people's individual lives. We see, uh, and then we see it on a grand scale when it affects a mass group of people. And I'm going to show you this in the Bible. Okay, this isn't something new. I'm going to take you way back in the Old Testament and show you a spirit of fear controlling a couple of million people all at the same time. And it's, you know, again, we see that happen in our day and age. Nothing new. And we need to realize that the devil's tricks the the things he has he really doesn't have anything new he does the same thing he's been doing for thousands of years it's just people keep falling for it and it works really well for him and he's good at what he does and so he's doing the same type of stuff that he's always done you know people are like man that devil he's got a new trick up his sleeve today Probably not. He's probably just going to do the same thing that he did last year and the year before that. And 2,000 years ago, same stuff. But we're going to look at what really some aspects of a spirit of fear. Because it's one thing to be startled momentarily. You know, your kids pop out and say boo. And, you know, hey, you know, you get startled. But that's not really being gripped and controlled uh, by fear. There's being startled. There's, you know, momentarily a little fear tries to hit you. But then there's a spirit of fear, and a spirit of fear is a powerful, demonic, wicked, evil force. And a spirit of fear, uh, man, I wish I had my PowerPoint up there. Spirit of fear, just take notes, guys, okay, take notes, do me that favor. But a spirit of fear, uh, when we let that manifest and get a grip on our lives, it can wreak and ravage your life all over the place and do some serious damage. There, there's nearly nothing more sad to look at than somebody that is controlled by a spirit of fear. I mean, and, and they begin to be afraid of completely unrealistic things. Their fear becomes a perverted form of faith. They've got so much belief in the unseen that they're convinced it's going to happen. They're convinced that these bad things are going to happen, even though they've never seen it. Right? Who who was around for Y2K? <laughs> I'm having flashbacks all over the place right now. Shut those computers off before midnight because they could. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, right? And so I I was like 14 or 15, whatever, you know, at that time period, and I just remember the mass hysteria all over the place. And there were people so convinced that the power grids were going to shut down and and the world and everything was just going to blow up. They had such belief in the unseen that they were convinced of it. Well, what's faith? It's a belief in the unseen and you're convinced of something. But faith, God's type of faith, is a belief in the unseen for godly good things. The devil will twist, fear and faith have a lot in common until you get down to it. But they believe in the unseen, right? They expect something to happen that they don't, I mean, they haven't seen it yet. They're convinced uh, fear and faith will both force you to make decisions, right? But faith causes you to do good things. Fear causes you to do destructive and bad things. And so I just remember, man, people storing up all this food. I had an uncle that was kind of a hillbilly, so he really got into this. <laughs> and so, I mean, he had a, I think he had like 
a bunker and all this stuff. And I mean, just bought years and years worth of, uh, you know, non-perishable food items. And, and he was stored up for the big one. Then, uh, you know, we're counting down to midnight of uh, 1999. Five, four, three, two, one. We're still alive. We survived it. And, 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 but people were convinced. They put their money into it. They put their, you know, their homes and their families and, 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 and why? Because they had such a belief in the unseen. Belief is a powerful thing. But when we can harness it for good, when we can harness that belief and that, the power of faith and belief for godly things, Man, you can change the world. But a lot of people, they're totally focusing their belief in the unseen on fear-based things. And so I'm going to tell you, uh, well, here's six things that a spirit of fear does. And, uh, you know, you can, I would think you should write these down. But, uh, but these are some things that a spirit of fear, I'm not talking about you got startled or momentarily like, oh, that was scary. I'm talking about when a spirit of fear starts to get a hold of your life. One thing it'll do is it controls you. It controls you. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Do not, or, 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 or you know, don't, don't do this over there. And, and again, I, I've said it, but I mean, I'm so happy that our church was packed this morning. It's packed tonight for a Sunday night. And I've seen pastors, you know, and, and Christians all over the place that, you know, were afraid to go to church today or, or whatever. And, and, you know, I'm not judging anybody. I respect where everybody's at right now, but, uh, it, it is kind of strange that a lot of these same people weren't afraid to go into, you know, grocery stores with a million people or to the movie theater this weekend or or go to all these other places. But the house of God where the anointing is and where the word of God's being preached, don't want to go in there. I, that just doesn't, that doesn't compute with me. But at the same time, you know, whatever. So a spirit of fear, though, it will control you. And tell you where to go, who to talk to, uh, what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot have. A spirit of fear is controlling. Uh, another thing a spirit of fear does is it lies. It lies. And I've heard an acronym for fear, and I've heard it put this way, that fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. And, and I mean, isn't it crazy how fast lies can spread when you mix fear in with them? You know, if I, if I tell you just something like stupid, crazy, unbelievable on a, on a normal day, you're like, yeah, okay, come seriously. But it's, I mean, you could tell nearly any lie you wanted to right now and have it spread halfway across the nation within minutes and people are like, did you hear what happened over there? Did you hear? Why? Because the spirit of fear, it, it has this strange ability to just explode lies, not only in your life, but on the mass scale. But no doubt about it, a spirit of fear lies and you believe it. Well, this is going to happen to you. You know that, right? Oh, man. Oh, what am I going to do when it does happen? It's an awful thing, but it lies to you. Another thing a spirit of fear does, it makes a fool out of you. Because I'm laughing at people from Y2K still, and it's been 20 years as of this year. I'm like, you believe that? 
But, you know, it makes a fool out of you and it makes you do stupid things. And all these things that I'm saying, I'm going to look at in Numbers 13 in a few minutes and show you every single one of these that a mass group of people did. But a spirit of fear, it will make a fool out of you. Another thing, number four, that a spirit of fear does, it makes you selfish. A spirit of fear will turn you into being a selfish person. Where you could be a healthy, strapping young man of 30 and go to the store and clear everything off the shelves that old people need because you're so afraid for you that you're so selfish. You don't care about anybody else. I, I, I'm sorry for grandma over there, but I'm going to, who knows what's coming now. I'll just get it all in my car and run. Selfish. That's selfish, man. Come on. You know, there's a, one of my favorite selfish fear stories is, uh, Joe, my brother, and Chuck went camping up in Mammoth years ago when Joe first moved out to California. And uh, Joe and Chuck, they were they were up, you know, in the mountains there camping, and they see uh, this dude just come running out of the woods, running. And then they look off in the distance, and there there was a bear over there. First of all, you're just going to trigger its uh, killer instincts and make it run after you so that's about the dumbest thing you can do when a, you know when you see a bear is to just take off running but then they look back his wife and kid were straggling behind he left the the guy left the wife and kid he was I'm sorry every man for himself how selfish is that fear i mean that makes that made a fool out of him and I'm guessing, I don't know how long that marriage lasted, but that could not have been good when mom and baby finally caught up. <laughs> but also, how selfish that you would do that. But that's the type of stuff that fear does to us. A spirit of fear will make you selfish and like, oh, I'm sorry about them, but hey, you got to, every man for himself right now, that's an awful way to be. Another thing that a spirit of fear does is, it's eventually sinful. Fear eventually does turn into sin. And you're like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's not fair to say to somebody. Fear eventually reaches the point of now it's just flat out sinful. Why? Because we're choosing to believe somebody else's word over the word of God in the end, right? God said, I promise you I'm going to protect you. I promised you I'm going to provide for you. I promised you that I would cause all things to work together for your good. But we keep saying, I don't know, man, I don't know. this." Uh, and eventually, we are elevating the word of someone or something else over the word of God. Now, you wouldn't admit to it, but seriously, that eventually happens. And again, I will prove this to you in Numbers 13 and chapter 14 in just a few minutes where it straight up says, that's rebellious and sinful that you're living in fear like that. Now, again, it's one thing to be, you know, that scared me or startled or a little bit, but it eventually reaches the point of that's just straight up, you know, you need, we need to start believing God's word, right? And, and so this spirit of fear, it controls and it eventually, it'll, it, it kills. It eventually kills because that much Fear and anxiety and 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 doubt and and awfulness, it'll eventually kill people. And again, I'll show it all to you, numbers thirteen and fourteen here in just a few minutes. Um, so those are some of the aspects of a spirit of fear. I've noticed that a spirit of fear also has some favorite phrases. 
And some of them I've heard a lot of lately, even from other preachers locally, nationally. But listen, brother, I know the Bible says this, but. Oh, no, no, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I know the Bible says this, but. Or another one, I, here's the one I've heard all week long. No, we're faith people, but. What, don't, don't get me wrong. No, I, I, I'm in faith right now, but. And I'm like, hold on, did somebody turn Sir Mix a lot on here? Cause I'm hearing a lot about big butts, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. These guys, they're faith people. They like big butts and they cannot lie right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, every, I, from now, every time I hear one of these guys, we're faith people, brother, but I'm just gonna, let me cue the music for you, Reverend, right? But the big butts need to just stop for a minute, okay? Listen. We're faith people, brother. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no doubt. Trying to navigate. And listen, everyone's, you know, we'll, we'll be smart. We're not going to be stupid. But I'm not going to dig a hole in the ground and hide my head and rub toilet paper on my face to get through all this stuff going on. Listen, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Here's a little but that I like. But what's he given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody say amen tonight. Amen. So we're going to look at, I believe, one of the best Bible stories there is regarding fear. And uh, let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And you can see the spirit of fear evident Throughout this entire story and all the stuff I just said or just some notes I jotted down from meetings numbers 13. We discussed this at the men's meeting yesterday and uh, I'm going to go a little more in depth on it tonight than I did yesterday with the men. But one thing I encourage us is this is the word that we're storing up right now and that you're hearing that use it to bless you. But even more so right now, you need to get some word to help some other people. Right? Because you guys are seeing, you're doing pretty good. You're, you're good. Uh, I mean, I've had nobody turn down one of my, uh, famous side hugs today. Come on, the blessing pat on the back. Pat, 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 pat. And, uh, uh, everyone, you know, we're good. But there's a lot of people that aren't good, and there's a spirit of fear out there. And so the word and the stuff that we're talking about, this is for us to help some other people out with. And, and we need to get a hold of this. And as I've been thinking, man, you know what? People are, are maybe afraid and stuff, but man, a word of faith church, we've been training for this for years. You know, when I got leukemia when I was three, my parents have been training for that for years. You know, I was thinking about the Marines and stuff like when the time comes to actually use what you've been training for, you don't take the rifle and dig a hole in the ground and hide. You're like, oh, well, I've been training for this for years. You know, it's finally time to get to use some of this stuff. And so that's what I'm thinking of is we are the light of the world. I'm not going to light the candle and put a basket under. I'm the light, but I just don't want anybody else to know about it. So I'm just going to put this basket over it. I want everybody to know that we are the light of the world. Numbers chapter 13, verses uh, 27 and 28 is where we're going to start off with. And so to catch you up, uh, Moses has got the uh, children of Israel through the Red Sea, right? They've been delivered from 400 years of slavery. 
ten plagues, the last one being uh, the death of the firstborn child of the people of Egypt. Uh, so the people of Israel, what did they do? They pled the blood, right, over the, over the tops of their doors. The death angel passed, and so it killed all the firstborn children of the families of Egypt. And Pharaoh says, that's the last straw. You people are a curse to me. Just get out. And so he lets them go. They make it to the Red Sea. He's like, wait a minute. If they're gone, we're going to have to build our own stuff. Let's go get them back. So he chases them down, right? Exodus 14. And then they get there and God parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel go through. We discussed this last Sunday morning. And then as the Egyptian army gets into the seabed, the waters roar back down and kill all of them. And so they make it through and they walk to Canaan, the promised land. And it did not take them 40 years at this point to get there. It doesn't say exactly how long. I'm guessing a month or two. They've got approximately, no one can know for sure, approximately 2 million people. Somewhere, at least at least 2 million people. Somewhere in that range. And so they make it through the Red Sea and they get there. And so they're on the outskirts uh, of, of Canaan. And Moses says, okay, we need to go scout this out. Come up with a game plan, go in and conquer it. It's as easy as that. So he says, I'm going to send in 12 spies to scout out the land. 12 in the Bible is a very symbolic number, but it was one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they send one guy from each tribe, get them into the land. And as we know, 10 guys come back with a different report than the two guys did. And 10 guys were gripped and terrified and ripped apart by fear, and this is uh, it's an incredible story that I see so many parallels to right now. So we're in Numbers chapter 13, and we're, we're going to skip around a few verses. I'm in the NLT on this. Numbers 13, starting at verse 27, it says, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. And so if you had read a few verses earlier, they've got these grapes so big it takes two grown men to carry a cluster on a pole. So you got, you know, a pole of grapes, two guys carrying it. I mean, huge grapes, pomegranates. It's got all the supplies. It's move-in ready. All they got to do is drive the people out. And so these ten spies come back and say, Moses, no doubt about it. This is everything we've ever dreamed of. Verse 28. I like big, but the people living there are powerful. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. They're like, oh, man, it's everything. It is sweet, but no, not going to happen. Might as well forget it right now. Uh, it's, it's fortified. They've got walls. They've got giants there. Sorry, it's not going to happen. And, and I'm like, my gosh. 400 years, don't you want to at least go in and like give it a try? Don't you want to at least go in and, and, and take a shot at this thing? But fear, man, it will control you. It'll hold you back in life. 
And, and, and let, let's go here down to verse 30, verse 30. So Joshua and Caleb, they're the only two. They're the minority. They've got ten guys against them that disagree. So Caleb, he tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. And, and here's what the report said. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, it tells us they spread this report amongst all the people. And what I'm, you know, and so we're always like, man, the devil's got something new. He's doing a, without the use of social media, without the help of CNN, without, you know, your gossiping best friend, without whatever the case is, they affected a couple of million people before nightfall with a fearful, evil, controlling report. And it spread throughout all the people. Oh, did you hear, guys? Yeah, man, we thought God did this, but here we are. The same people that walked through the Red Sea, the same people that saw those ten plagues, the same people that had seen all these works of God, they get there and they spread this evil, fearful report. And a spirit of fear takes control over a couple of million people. My gosh. The devil doesn't need our internet. The devil doesn't need our modern television and everything to get a spirit of fear to control mass amounts of people. He did it thousands of years ago just by people letting fear control them and, 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 and just going this route with it. But look at chapter 14, verse 1. It's the next verse there. Verse 1. And notice that, that they're assuming what the guys thought. They're like, oh, they thought we were grasshoppers. I know they did. They don't even know that. They don't know what those guys were thinking. But fear makes you look stupid and say stupid things. Stupid things. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Can you, a couple of million people, grown men blubbering in their tents, crying, hold me, hold me. I mean, crying, screaming, weeping all night long. And they hadn't even seen any of these giants themselves. They hadn't even gone in there and, 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 and they didn't know anything at all. They're just taking other people's word for it that there's, and in fact, notice the guy said, Everybody there's a giant. Everybody's huge. No, they weren't. There were some giants there, but not everybody living in Canaan at the time was a giant. Not everybody was. But again, fear said, oh, no, they're all giants. Everybody's getting it. It's going to come to you. Oh, you just wait. It's coming. Nobody's off limits. Some are. Some are off limits. And listen, not everybody in Canaan was a giant. That was a lie from the devil that they spread and everybody believed it to the point that everybody cried all night long 
Can you imagine the sound of a couple million people crying all night long? What a bad spot to be in. But you need to realize this fear thing, God at this point in time, he had had a lot of compassion over the years. He had a lot of times, but he reached a point now where it made him angry. God is rich in love, slow to anger, but this scene right here made him mad. Now, throughout a lot of the journey, throughout a lot of the exodus from slavery, God, his heart was sad for them. He had compassion. He felt bad. But at this point, they'd seen a dozen miracles, and then they get there and believe this wicked report, and God straight up gets angry. And I'm going to show you this here, uh, same chapter. Let's skip down here to verse 11. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I'll, I'll, I'll disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I'll make you into a greater and mightier, a nation greater and mightier than they are. I'm like, whoa, God, whoa, 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 slow down. But God's like, no, I have had it up to here with these guys. After all the stuff I've done for them, it's still not good enough. And sometimes people are like, man, if I could just get this person to see a miracle, I really know that they'd believe. If they've got a hard heart, if they've got a spirit of fear controlling them, they could see Moses part the Red Sea, and it still wouldn't be good enough to take God's word above other people's word. Right? But I know if they could just see a miracle, if they could just see this, they need to have the eyes of their heart opened before any of that's going to work. Right? And so God says, man, I'm done. Forget these guys. I'm going to blow it all up and start all over again is basically what he said right there. But then Moses comes in. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. And the next several verses, he's like, no, let's hold on. Let's talk about this. And Moses intercedes for the people. And sometimes we're intercessors. We're interceding for people. And Moses says, well, let's let's go about it. Let's do this. Moses pleads the case and intercedes for the people. So skip down here to verse 20. He talks God out of it. But here's what God's final judgment is on the case for this unbelief, for this spirit of fear, for them elevating somebody else's word over God's word. Verse 20, then the Lord said, okay, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Has anyone ever tested you by refusing to listen to your voice? Come on, moms. Yeah, come on, moms. You can say amen. Those kids, they have tested me again and again by refusing to listen to my voice. You can relate to God on this. But here's what Moses said, or what God says. They will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, earlier on, Caleb was pleading with the people, guys, don't rebel. Just believe God. Don't be rebellious. Just believe. And so at this point, 
Not every time that we get a little bit afraid, a little startled, not every time that fear tries to come to us is it sinful, but when it finally reaches the point of controlling you and God has proved himself time and time again and you have got his word in plain sight in front of you and you choose to say, I know it says this, but here's what I see over here. I'm, I, I'm a person of faith, but I, but over here, and, and eventually, when we take everybody else's word above God's word, it reaches a place of becoming sin. Why? Because if you want to break it down to that point, we're calling God a liar. I know your word says that no plague will come nigh my dwelling, but I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that that you really meant that or that you can cause that to happen. I know you said you would supply all my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus, but I don't think you're going to do it. What a slap in the face, right? You know, I know you said you'd protect me everywhere I go, but I don't believe that. I don't I don't think you will. Eventually, that's a little bit insulting, isn't it? Even if you're saying it not in a contemptful heart, even if you're not saying it with malice, but it eventually becomes a little bit offensive, right? When you keep telling somebody, and they've got no reason to doubt you, you've kept your word, you've done your part, you've kept your word, but they keep saying, I, I know, man, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. I just flat out, I don't think you, you can do that. I don't, I don't believe you. After a while, it becomes at least, at the very least, insulting. But after a while, God sees it as, that's rebellion, man. I told you, I proved to you, I did this and this and this for you already. I showed you this, this, and this. I've used you to do this, this, and this. And that's still not good. What else do you want from me? What, do you want me to send my own son to die for you or something? Oh, did that too. What else could I do to prove myself to you and it's still not good enough? Can you see how that would cross the line of becoming sinful. And God says, you know what? I've had enough. Get me somebody else. Find me somebody else to do what I need to get done in the earth. And so is it a sin to get startled, to be a little afraid? No, that's not a sin. But it is a sin to start letting fear control our lives. Because God has better than that for us. And uh, that's going to bring me into my second thing, part two of this right here. We've looked at what a spirit of fear. Who thinks a spirit of fear is just a nasty, disgusting thing, man, that can not only control an individual, but can control a mass amount of people. And uh, but 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 I want to look at the beautiful part of this scripture. And that is number two, the sound mind. Sound mind. I really enjoy people that have a sound mind. You know, I'm not even joking about that. I super enjoy being around people that are of a sound mind. That is a blessing from God right there. And, you know, I've been talking about the promises of God's word. This is one of God's promises that he has given us a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. A sound mind is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's a really big deal to have a sound mind because there's plenty of people without a sound mind have you seen that there's a lot of people wandering around out there that they're nice we love them but they don't have a sound mind they mean well they're not bad people but they do not have a sound mind they've got all sorts of issues going on and 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 that's not god's will for them god's will is for us to have 
a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I can tell you that a sound mind really causes you to stick out in a crazy and messed up world. All throughout the story we just read in Numbers 13 and 14, Joshua and Caleb really stick out. Everyone else is saying one thing. They're like, ah, don't listen to them. I'm telling you right now, there's giants there. I'm not denying that, but my gosh, we could go in and beat up giants. We could fight giants. Look at this. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Fear says, oh, no, giants. Faith says, oh, boy, giants. Nobody cares if you beat up a little person and take their stuff. You beat up the giant and drive them out of their home. Everybody's going to talk about that because when you defeat the giant, God has to get the glory. There's no way you did it. Right? If David had gone to defeat Goliath and Goliath was four and a half feet tall and weighed 65 pounds, nobody would have cared. Like, okay, big deal. Anybody could have done that. But when you go and take down, what, a nine or ten footer that weighs 500 pounds, people are, people are going to talk. That's going to get people's attention. And David even said it. He said, I'm going to kill you, Goliath, cut off your head, and then you and your army and all the world will know there is a God in Israel. He didn't say, everybody will know that I'm really tough now. I'll prove who I am. He said, no, when I take you down, God is going to get the glory. And when you face the giants, when you have a sound mind in the midst of a bunch of crazy people and you win, God has to get the glory because there's no way it was you. You're not that strong. You're not that smart. You're not that, you know, beautiful. You're not whatever. You, God brought you through that. And I want to take down giants so big in my life that people have to say, there's no way he did that. God must be real because he overcame that thing right there. That giant, can, God gets the glory, right? And so the person of faith says, all right, man, I've been training for this. I'm ready. This is what we've been talking about for years. Now we get to actually do something about it. And so I want to show you a verse here. Proverbs 1, verse 33 Proverbs 1, verse 33. So all of us at some point have had fear try to control us. And I, but I'll tell you this much. I can tell you that it's a lot nicer to be the one with the sound mind that isn't worried or, or afraid or tormented like everybody else is. I will gladly be the set-apart one. I will gladly be the weird one that still has my peace. So Proverbs 1 and Uh, Verse 33, I'm going to read this in the NLT, then I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. I just read that uh, in there for the first time this morning, and I love what it said. But Proverbs 1, 33, so who believes that God promised to give you a sound mind? Who would like to have that sound mind? I would love to have a sound mind, and thank God that we do. Proverbs 1, 20, or excuse me, Proverbs 1, 33, first of all, in the NLT it says, But all who listen to me, everybody who listens to their crazy cousin out there that's telling you all the stuff that's going on right now, they, you know, I mean, they've never been to medical school, but they are an expert on viruses now. Everyone who listens to Cousin Eddie, everybody who listens to whoever, no. But all who listen to me, 
will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. All who listen to me. So I can tell you right now, if we're just controlled and panicked and controlled by fear right now, we haven't been actually listening to God because he promised all who listen to me will what live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. That's an incredible verse. I want to show you this in the Passion Translation uh, because it, it expounds on that a little bit here. Proverbs 133, it says, but the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace. Who would like to live undisturbed in a heavenly peace? I believe I'll sign up for that right now. Put my name down. Free from fear, confident and courageous, you will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. All who listen to me. So there's a lot of voices speaking, not only at this, not even right now, but all the time. There's a lot of stuff trying to talk to you. There's a lot of voices and experts and friends and people trying to tell you stuff all the time. But if you'll listen to God, you'll live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm, untroubled by all the junk going on out there. We've got to determine who we're going to listen to. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Isaiah 26, verse 3, powerful, awesome, beautiful, wonderful verse. But how can we have a sound mind? It all really, it boils down to who you're going to listen to is how sound your mind is going to be. Do you, I'm going to say that one again. Who you listen to in life determines how sound your mind is going to be. Not just at this moment in, in history, but all throughout the rest of our lives. It all depends on who we're listening to. And time and time again, God says, just listen to me. Keep your thoughts fixed on me. Keep your mind stayed on me. If our focus, if our thoughts are fixed on God, 100% chance of peace. 100%. 100% chance of peace. If we'll keep our thoughts fixed on him. Well, I don't know. Why would you say that? Well, let's just read it here. Isaiah 26, verse 3. New Living Translation. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, I didn't make it up. The scripture says it right there. He will keep us not only in peace, not part-time peace, not a little bit of peace. He will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. And, you know, I've, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it every time I read this verse, but I've got so many people. Man, I just can't get any any peace at all right now. Man, I'm just, I'm a wreck. I'm all over the place. Well, you know, it says that. Uh, if your thoughts are fixed on him, all oh, my thoughts, I swear, they're fixed on him. Absolutely. But I still don't have peace. Time out. Time out. Listen, there's not a chance. And, and this sounds mean. This sounds harsh. There is no way possible if my thoughts are actually honestly fixed on him 
that I won't have perfect peace. Just being real. That's the truth. I can look back on times in my life where I've been, you know, I've been reading, I've been trying to claim the promises, I've been reading my Bible and still haven't had perfect peace. And if I were to be honest, I'd say I was reading and I was doing a lot of the right things, but I wasn't controlling my mind and my thoughts were not fixed on God. My thoughts were fixed on the problem. My thoughts were fixed on the potential danger. My thoughts were fixed on the lies the devil was telling me. My thoughts were fixed on what he said, what she said. My thoughts were fixed on what I heard on TV, what I saw on the Internet. If I were to be honest, I would say that the times I haven't had perfect peace were the times that my thoughts were not honestly fixed on him. Now, this takes discipline, right? Because... I've got this much time, you know, to read my Bible and, and, and focus on him. And I've got at least eight hours a day at Fort Irwin or the Marine base or the railroad or wherever. I, I've, they've got at least a minimum of eight, ten hours coming at me with stuff. I've got this much time over here and that much. So that tells me the responsible and mature Christian takes their thoughts seriously and they will train themselves to fix their thoughts on God. Now that's a deep topic, but let's get real. You reach a whole other level of maturity when Satan fires a fiery dart at you, right? The wicked one says, oh no, you saw this. You, did you hear that report? The mature Christian has the ability now to lift the shield of faith and block that fiery dart, according to Ephesians 6, and say, no what? No, no evil will come near me. No plague will come near my home in the name of Jesus. The mature Christian reaches that level. And you're like, how can this guy have peace all the time? Oh, the darts are being fired. Shots are being fired. But he's learned to use the shield of faith and just start blocking these things all around, blocking these fiery darts from the wicked one and returning fire with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right there it is. You want a sound mind? We got to keep our thoughts fixed on him. Most of the people that I know right now, not not right now that I've, you know, always known, that we've all always known, if we were to just get super real, I would say their thoughts are fixed on the word of God realistically potentially 5% of the time. And 95% of the other time, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people I know, they would give God's word, what, 10 minutes a day or less. Some people more, some less, but no doubt about it. Our phones, our, our Instagram, Facebook, whatever news you like to listen to, your buddies, your friends, your cousins, whoever else, they get a lot more time than the Bible does, don't they? And then we, I don't know why I don't have no peace. I keep my thoughts fixed on God. I, my, my screen time app only said I had five and a half hours of screen time this week per day average. Uh, and then, wait, the, but my Bible time, I know it was about, dang, I know I read the, uh, uh, what, what was that, that the, the church handout thing? That took me at least, what, a minute and a half every day. So Satan and the doubt and the news of this world is getting, what, six, seven hours of your time? And God's getting, what, three, four, five minutes, maybe the very best an hour of our time. And then we're wondering, come on, 
That's not keeping our thoughts fixed on him. That's not keeping our mind stayed upon him. That's given God a little bit, but really our mind is stayed on the things of this world. Our mind is stayed on the news. Our mind is stayed on whatever anybody else is throwing in there. So God has not given me a spirit of fear. I don't have one. But he has given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. To tap into that sound mind, I'm going to have to control the mind and make it focus on the things of God. Yes, that takes some discipline. Yes, that takes some self-control. In fact, the the New Living Translation and many of the modern translations say he's given me a spirit of self-control. God's given us this sound mind and the ability to do it, but it is going to take some discipline on our part saying no to some things and yes to God things. And I guarantee you, perfect peace, a sound mind, no matter what comes down the pike, and no doubt about it, no fear. No fear, man. I've got a sound mind, and we all need a sound mind right now. We all need to uh, be able to be the light of the world and have answers. And so I am challenging us. I'm encouraging us. It's okay to you know what's going on, right? We all know that. No one's saying it's not. It's okay to know what's going on out there, but it's not okay to give that 90% of your attention and God's word 5 or 10%. That's not okay. That's borderline sin. That may be sin. I don't know. It will lead to sin eventually because you're going to eventually elevate the word of the world, the word of everybody else over the word of God. God's word has got to become the real and final thing in our lives, right? Because we need a sound mind, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and bring her in for a landing here. I'm running out of time, but I encourage us, perfect peace, sound mind, no spirit of fear, if we will keep our thoughts fixed on him. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's stand up together this evening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.